alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number four, AltaCalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through sea? And we're on. And we're on. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Hopefully been, it was just my, my headphones. We've been pretty consistent this summer. I think we're, we're doing well. Yeah, for the last three weeks. Uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been good to be back and kind of enjoy some of that summer weather that is so rare here in the Mission, or in San Francisco at least. Trying not to sweat, but it's kind of out of the question right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. That's beautiful. And I think next weekend, too, it's going to be even hotter, slightly hotter. Oof. So put your sunscreen on, yeah. get those sunglasses out. and Get your coffee sized, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do it right, people. <laughs> well, uh, we have some news stories for you. Yes. Uh, do you want to go first? Sure. I'll start off with, we were just talking about dogs, and I found this new story on Pitchfork, uh, Dogs Love Reggae, new Aww. study shows. However, the response to different genres was mixed, highlighting the possibility like that like humans, our canine friends have their own individual music preferences. If you ever wonder what music your dog is into, a recent study by the Scottish SPCA and the University of Glasgow might have your answer. As the BBC points out, after playing a variety of music for their uh, test subjects, the researchers, uh, researchers concluded that dogs were particularly interested in reggae and soft rock as they showed the highest positive change in behavior. Well, listening to these, gen- uh, but listen to these genres. Uh, Professor Neil Evans said in a press release. However, Professor Evans also suggested that uh, might not represent the taste in all dogs. Overall, the response to different genres were mixed. He said, highlighting the possibility that, like humans, our canine friends have their own individual music preferences. The study also suggests that dogs appreciate all music, regardless of genre, and spending significantly more time lying and significantly less time standing while it was being played. <laughs> Duh. It was worth noting that during the study, one fi- one, uh, only five genres were tested, soft rock, Motown, pop, reggae, and classical. So the jury is still out on how dogs feel about tropical house and black metal. In 2015, the Scottish SPCA, University of Glasgow, released a study showing that classical music also helped dogs relax. Oh. 
and you can get more information on that out of the pitch I feel like I should listen to more classical music I used to when I was a kid because that's all I knew but (laughs) or more reggae I don't listen to enough reggae reggae. yeah it's always good (laughs) super chill there's some I was listening to something oh I was listening to like a BBC sessions or no I was listening to John Peel sessions like a like a best of and there was some some reggae in there he has some really he interviewed some amazing artists before they became really well known reggae in particular so i recommend yeah john peel for sure he was the man he was the original man (sighs) um this uh this article caught my attention because of the the girl i think she looks fantastic yes <laughs> she has the right attitude so let's see what she has to say and this is from the latest version of the enemy enemy.com ladies first lady lesher heads up a new documentary about the uk's female hip-hop talent as part of channel 4's new sound and vision series women of uk rap looks at why so few female MCs are given the chance to break through. We asked the episode stars, rappers Lady Lesher and C. Kane, as well as presenter Billy J.D. Porter about their experiences and hopes for the future. The past. I was the only female that used to go to my youth club and rap. I started rapping when I was six years old. Sister Nancy's bum bum changed my life. She was singing, but rapping singing. I never knew that existed. Then I heard Ms. Dynamite. When I was growing up, the only major female MC was Ms. Dynamite. In the States, there have been icons like Lil' Kim and Nicki Minaj, unapologetically talking about drugs and sex, whereas here, there's less of a legacy from women in the rap world. The present. Whenever female rappers start to make a name for themselves, people try to pit them against each other. It's never, she's really sick, and that other girl's really sick. (laughs) It's always, do you think she's better than her? People also like to boil it down to what they look like and sex appeal. Mm -hmm. I'm stepping up as an African woman and doing music. Other females will see that. If I can do it, they can do it. I think there's a healthier scene for women in UK rap than in grime. Grime is a genre that's recognized all over the world now, but we're not seeing many women breaking through in a big way. But there is some great UK talent at the moment, like Lil Sims and Steph... Stefan Stefan Don. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> That's an awesome name. <laughs> What's your name? Stefan Don. And then for the future, three female rappers won awards last year at the Mobos. So things are definitely pro- progressing. More female rappers are doing big numbers on YouTube. In five years' time, I reckon the playing fields will be level. There's a lot of females stepping up now. And people are becoming more willing to hear female artists. Stefan Don got a million pound deal. I haven't heard the other guys getting million pound deals. That's a big deal. I hope that we'll start to see more women across the board popping up because of the potential for people to blow up online. But I think, sadly, a lot of it could depend on the political situation in the UK. There are laws and cuts that are affecting and targeting specific groups of people and limiting how they can express themselves. A change in government right now could drastically improve the access people have to facilities where they can MC and produce. And if you want to watch that program, Women of UK Rap will be on July 18th on Channel 4. And I assume it might be, able be available online at some point. That sounds interesting. 
And some depressing news. <laughs> it's not a hoax. Kid Rock confirms run for U.S. Senate. After <laughs> the response, after teasing his candidacy by selling yard signs, Kid Rock has confirmed that he will be running for U.S. Senate. In a new note posted on his website, he said that he still has 15 days to file paperwork with the FEC and make his run official. It's not a hoax. It's a strategy and marketing 101, he writes. He also called out Michigan Democratic Senator Debbie Stave now. Hmm, that's how you say that? The incumbent who he's challenging in next year's election, Senator Steinbaugh, and I do share a love of music, although probably not the same kind, he writes. I, I concede she is better at playing politics than I am, so I'll keep doing what I do best, which is... Uh, which is being a voice for taxpaying, hardworking Americans and letting politicians like her know that we are the people uh, and we are sick and tired of their bullshit. Uh, Ken Rock also says that he's planning to release new music during his campaign. Like politicians write books during their campaigns, I'm planning on putting out music during, that, during mine, and it all starts tonight at midnight, he writes. He later shared a 12-minute a single called Greatest Show on Earth. 12-minute single? God damn it. Uh, Kid Rock recently shared a new website that sells merchandise with the slogan, Kid Rock for U.S. Senate. He previously backed Donald Trump in 2016 and performed uh, last year's Republican National Convention. He currently <laughs> sells offensive Trump-themed shirts. Offensive? I suddenly can't breathe. <laughs> uh... And then he tweeted, once again, the press is wrong, and I am running for Senate. Ugh, okay. It just, I felt like everybody needed a barf, so. Because I'm a cowboy, story. baby. <laughs> right? Well, now he's a U.S. Senate, baby. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's terrible. Um, some good news, I think. Um, this is from TheEnemy.com, the latest issue. Um, this is called On the Record with Leonie Cooper. Big opinions, no filter. Um, this week, a women-only music festival, totally worth the extra toilet cues. Uh, I can't remember the first time I had a shitty experience at a gig or music festival because I'm a woman, but I do know that since the age of 14, there have been too many sly arse gropes. <laughs> <laughs> unwanted come-ons and patronizing comments to mention. I've seen female friends touched up in mosh pits and been called, I don't know what that is, shags, for not wanting to engage in conversation with pushed up blokes in fields, bars, and venues across the UK. She's reading a British <laughs> news story, you guys. <laughs> I'm like, because it's... it's a shav? It's start out, so I don't know what yeah. the hell it is. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe a shav? Maybe. Also, that thing when men try to get past you in a crowd and insist on placing both their hands firmly on your hips in order to do so. What's that all about? At least your hips and not your ass. Are you so unstable on your feet that you need to grab onto another human's bits in order not to fall down? The juicy bits? Um, it's all been rather exhausting. <laughs> It's all been rather exhausting. So news that a women-only music festival is set to take place in Sweden uh, next year has filled me with hope. 
frankly, it's about bloody time, which coincidentally would also be a great name for the event. <laughs> you should put that in capital letters. Yes, I would totally get a shirt. <laughs> bloody time. Oh, that's that's funny. Um, that idea that idea came about following re- reports that Swedish festival Bravalia or Bravala would be canceling next year's event after four rapes and twenty three sexual assaults took place Jesus there last Christ. month. In response to the shocking news of the attacks, local radio presenter Emma Nicker suggested a women's only event, tweeting, what do you think about putting together a really cool festival where only non-men are welcome, sorry, um, that will run until all men have learned how to behave themselves? Emma received such a positive response to her comment that she revealed she'd be putting on Sweden's first man-free rock festival. This is an interesting. In 2018. A lady utopia where men are barred. It's not the first time women have carved out their own space in the festival world. Last year, Glastonbury launched its very first women-only stage, The Sisterhood, which returned last month, was nestled in the far reaches of the Shangri-La field. A lady utopia where men were barred. There were talks, gigs, DJ sets, and rowdy dance parties. It was blissful. This Swedish festival looks set to take things further still by banning blokes from even setting foot inside the gates, offering a safe environment where there's no need to worry about catcalls, unwelcome comments, and the very real threat of attack. I imagine the queue for the lose will be a total nightmare, but this is but a small sacrifice to make for a zero bros climate. Now, excuse me while I look up the Swedish for, no thanks, you can keep your meatballs. Nice. <laughs> I wish she was funny about it. I'd go. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. We'll see, see how that goes. Well, Kathleen Hanna used to like have all the guys sit in the back at her shows, right? Yeah, So right. This is kind of taking it a step further, but... There's still always some jackass standing in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yes. All those Every tall show guys. That we go to. Yeah. <laughs> or you're you're just you get there first and somehow some skinny tall guy makes its way to the front of what your is up with person. That? I don't know. It it okay. always happens. Anyways, how's it going, man? <laughs> is my mic on? Yeah. Oh, it is? You this are allowed time? here. Because is... I, I had so many comments I want to interject so you often. Can. You can. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. For one thing, do dogs listen to grime? <laughs> they we do. Should, you should do another test with grime. They dogs, I mean, dogs uh, would make horrible rock critics, music <laughs> critics, if they like everything. <laughs> Like, well, they have different reactions to different types it. of music. Yeah. And why don't they just have a music festival where the ratio of women, it's like one man to every 10 or 20 women. So if a, a dude wanted to pull some lame thing, like he'd just be outnumbered. Yeah. That's a good that's, idea. You know? Yeah. We should start like that. That's that's one way to go. That could uh, work. I think for Sweden and for what they said, there was a lot of like sexual reports. So that makes more sense for them. But... I wouldn't fly here in America. Yeah, the worst one was probably Woodstock '99. That's about the worst. The, the one we heard about. about. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. one we actually. I was like, ah. yeah. yeah, it's so um, ridiculous. But um, <clears throat> nothing too like out of the ordinary yeah. that you wouldn't see at any festival or that you would normally see. Yeah, I mean. I, honestly, like all the times I seen something gross or like something that was like, well, you guys should really like not do that was with a man and a girl together. So 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's it's that big. It's an issue at raves because uh, girls get drugged. Right. But at music festivals, I mean, you're there with a group of people. You know, it's it's kind of different. But that's just from personal experience. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. If the music's good, then hopefully it's worth Let's it. Let's hope the music doesn't inspire people to to at least inspire men to do ridiculous things yeah. there you bad go. things yeah. it's, that's music should inspire people to be you know good yeah. or healthy or Definitely. do positive things very well said Matt in my opinion as a musician <laughs> the welcome Matt is here yay hello we've been expecting you just kidding <laughs> did you wipe your feet thank on you the for welcoming me welcoming me welcoming me so tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your history here in San Francisco well um, I've been here for an awfully long time I live in a rent controlled apartment by the panhandle and I've been playing music for since the dawn of time <laughs> And I'm just still doing it, still um, in a city that's um, increasingly uh, maybe uh, hostile toward the arts and creative people in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and trying to just keep on keeping on and put music out and Good. speak some truth to power where you can. Right. And what inspired you to put this music out, or what inspired you to become a musician? Oh, well... Originally, I've been playing since I was 10, maybe. How old are you in fifth grade? I started playing a guitar ten. in fifth grade. I was 10. Um, so my mother played guitar, and she was played a lot of like folky, kind of hippie music. And, and I think I, I really got influenced by her growing up to play. And, you know, just being a recluse, introvert, weirdo you start playing music and it really helps <laughs> <laughs> it's like therapy <laughs> exactly and um which artists inspired you the most the most that is always a tough question mm-hmm. i think i was a real big fan of a lot of english bands like david bowie uh, he's a band david bowie they were great he's the band um i like them <laughs> like them and the who he was great <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot. Yeah, a lot of English stuff for some reason, but I still, you know, there's a million American bands I love. Uh, really like Devo. I like Devo too. Devo was great, and they're still around. Devo and the Replacements, and I got into all that stuff. Um, I'm missing someone that I really like. Um, <laughs> It'll come to you. Yeah. And you feel that they inspired your style as well or do you think you've kind of molded your own I think I, mo- I hope I molded my own I was really into 50s rock and roll too for some reason growing up um, not that I'm that old but I was really into that stuff I think that helps you gotta get into the blues when you learn guitar I think it's about learning guitar my guitar teachers were always into the blues and if you learn that it's like the foundation for just about everything right and you I start agree. from there and go out you know expand outward you spiral out it's almost the foundation of music today or i would say it is part of that yeah i i, would, I think it's uh 
before that it was something else and before that before that yeah it's the long lineage of sound mm-hmm. a lot of different sounds did you want to play a song for us now sure oh. uh, yeah i'll play a song from my new more empire days cd unfortunately there are more empire days <laughs> so i had to put out <laughs> another cd oh. so this is um this is an album a collection of songs that are basically a sequel to something I put out called Empire Days in 2004 during the Bush administration. Uh-huh. And yes, yeah, so this is um, uh. very inspired, 12 songs that are very inspired for what's going on in the world now. And um, I basically, I wrote them in last November, right before the election, I started kind of tinkering away with them and then the election happened. And after that, I was just like, whoa, I wrote them, recorded them, and put it all out within like a three-month period because it was, uh, the time was then. Time is now. Time's always now. So this song is called Apathy. Everybody seems to be a ghost or in a coma and all the kids just walk off in space You know my online presence I change my profile pic three times a day And I don't know if what I'm reading is true or fake This zombie apocalypse is already taking place And I believe Now I see Now I see Now I see Apathy is I and me and arrogance is ignorance and ignorance is what you have yet to see. Empathy beats out bigotry all the time, all the time. So many dirty chicks to get your money. They got your info, got your identity. But all those politicians don't represent me All my life they'd said they'd help me Oh, but the same old pile of shit just keeps getting higher Strategy, divide and conquer Now I see, now I see And I believe, I believe Apathy is I and me Arrogance is ignorance And ignorance is what you have yet to see And empathy beats out bigotry All the time, all the time Working twice as much as ever Can't pay off my loans I move up the ladder no overtime pay, but I can't complain There's always someone more desperate to take my place So it paid to the multinational corporations The spirit guides for all the nations Now, now I see, now I see And I believe, and I believe Apathy is I and me and arrogance is ignorance 
ignorance is what you have yet to see. Empathy beats out bigotry all the time, all the time. Oh, empathy beats out bigotry all the time. <laughs> it is the last bit. I was, I was digging that one. Thank you. And that one you wrote recently. I did. Through the past I wrote that election. in November. That's um. I think that's a good. It's a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a positive message, considering all the negative we've been hearing. I tried. The, this album could be very depressing and dark, and actually, in each song, it might seem like, oh, God, this is going to be a depressing song, but actually, there's a little, try to put a little ray of light in all of them. Mm-hmm. And um, do you feel like that's a path that you're going to follow moving forward, or do you see each album differently? It represents a different mentality or a different part of your life? Well, you know, this collection of songs are kind of that, I think they're that way. They're, um, they're mentioning, talking about something kind of dark, trying to pull a positive, uh, you know, there's always the, the light side of the shadow. So with this collection of songs like that, what's going to happen next, I have absolutely no idea, to be honest. Um, <laughs> every, song's kinda, every song should have a little mission. A, a, it should have a, uh, a real meaning to it. A, a, it should be about something. So... Uh, what's around the corner? I really, yeah, it's. Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> do you have any upcoming shows planned? I do actually. Tomorrow, okay. I am playing a benefit for the homeless at the Condor Club in North Beach. Oh, cool! And playing with a drummer friend of mine, Joey Castor. We're doing a little welcome mat duo. He's playing drums. I'm playing guitar, and that starts at 4:30 tomorrow afternoon at the okay. Condor Club Sunday in cool. North Beach. Yeah, very cool. Should be fun. And if people want to find out more about you online, is Facebook the right spot? Or Facebook's good. It's facebook.com slash the welcome at. And my website is welcomeatsf.com. And how did you come up with the name Welcome Matt? I thought it'd be really Buddhist of me. I don't know. I thought it was like, come on in, the welcome, welcome, you know, welcome to me. Welcome to my music. So, yeah, that's a. <laughs> It's a nice pun. Slightly clever, you know. It could have been the automat or the <laughs> the laundromat. Laundromat. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Welcome the laundromat. Yeah. <laughs> the laundromat. You just, yeah. I can drag a washer and dryer with me to all my shows. <laughs> uh, You'd be so useful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could get a lot of coins for. That's true. Laundry yeah. for the rest of your life. <laughs> and. Um, should we play one of the songs from the album? Sure. You guys want to hear something rocking? Something you guys were mentioning reggae before, and I kind yeah. of have a, a reggae kind of ish song sure. on here called. On this one? Yes, it's called the latest one to go. And yes, it's a slightly depressing theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought uh, my duty as a songwriter to speak to the. Um, the, all the deaths, the African American deaths by shooting by police officers in the country. So oh, this yeah. is my song about that. There's been plenty of those. Sorry, the latest one to go. 
stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. Definitely not the enemy. Uh, tell us. No, little... we're just trying to pay rent. 
<laughs> We're just trying to pay our bills. Um, tell us a little bit about that song. So that song, it, well, you know, unfortunately I don't have the lyrics, but it, in front of me, to, um, it, it kind of speaks for itself. It's basically trying to be like, to humanize, like, it's just like you're human and you're like get pulled over for something really small and all of a sudden you're you're fighting for your life or you get shot or you're on the ground. It's It seems... As for me, as a white person growing up in the United States, I don't know what that's like. I have no idea what that, to have walk around and have that fear when I get, you know, if I got pulled over by a police officer. It's like whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, okay, you know, whatever, right, Bob. They might give you a warning even. Right, I don't it. like. I could die now. Yeah. And there's a you know, in the African American community, they have to think about that on a daily basis. It's something I think every white person should really consider. Right. And um, get behind the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's the poster or the card on the wall. Uh, oh, there's a bunch. <laughs> Did you guys see that video of these cops that stopped this uh, woman who was a state attorney, but she was African American? And then when she asked them why she got stopped, they were like, oh, uh, your windows are really dark. And, dark know. windows, yeah. yeah. And she's like, well, I'm a state attorney. I'm a district attorney or state attorney. I can't remember, but she was basically saying like, "This is a state-issued ish- car." You know, this. So of course, my windows are tinted because. Right. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, it's a government-owned car. Weird. Um, but yeah, basically they like fumbled. They're like, "Oh, we, you know, your windows are really dark. That's why we stopped you." Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, she was. She's like the first African-American uh, woman to be a state attorney. Where was this? In Florida. In Florida. Florida. It's the best video out there right now. (laughs) I have to watch that. Because, you know, she's also asking them, like, why did you guys... Because I guess another thing they did is that they they shine the light on your plates. And if it shines back, you know, it means that... Or, like, the stickers, I guess. I don't know what it is. I forgot what it's called. It's, like, tapping. I don't know. I've never heard of that. Yeah, so you have to have your, like, your... Stickers on your license, right? Right. So right. that they sh- it's yeah. reflective. It ref- yeah, it reflects back. But hers did it, and that's what another reason what that they said that they stopped her. She's, and then it's the same excuse. It's like, well, they're confidential, so you can't. They're not going to reflect back. So it was just really interesting. That's but just very odd. It tells you a lot about our the state of the country right now. <laughs> yeah, or how it's been for a while. I mean, I think there's certain things that people just didn't maybe talk about as much during the Obama administration or yeah. even before that. You know, they're just lingering things that people, I guess, are now bringing more to the forefront because now we have, you know, mobile phones and now we have, you know, so much access to Facebook Absolutely. and all that stuff. So I think that a shining lot of these, a light, right? Yeah, it's shining a light, literally. <laughs> so, um, so it's good to just be aware that these things are going on, and you know, what can we, what can we do in our daily lives to, you know, come bring change, if you will. Black yeah. Black Lives Matter has been around for a couple of years now. Yeah. And for me, as an artist, I can I can write songs. Um, I think it's important. I, I I think really, just in general. I mean, it's. I know it's one issue. It's a very important issue. There seems to be so many issues right now, especially right. with our, with him as president. Yeah, him. It's really really shined a light on things. I, it's just we need. You know, this is should be a, 
people should be participating in this society and this democracy. I think that's, are you for pluralism? Are you for inclusive society? That should be, we should all be asking us that, ourselves that question. And mm-hmm. if that's true, then let's do things that, that represent that. Yeah. Let's change shit up, people. I know what's going on. <laughs> Let's get rid of this two-party system bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's a monster. Yeah, yeah. But that's, um, yeah, we were actually just talking about that during our, our meal together. We were saying, wow, like maybe a third-party candidate really has a chance now. Exactly. So, um, yeah, just put that in your pipe and smoke it, people. Exactly. Um, but anyways, back to the music. Um, so do you feel like your your music is really a, re- a reflection of what's going on in your personal life or what you're seeing is happening around you, I guess, society-wise? Yeah, especially this new batch of songs. It definitely is me being... You can't go around being burned up and angry all the time about things, for sure. Uh, you need anger. Anger is a useful tool to get to motivate you. And as creative, I think it's the duty of an artist and creative people in general to talk about shining lights. You know, I think that's a, the function of the artist in society is to try to further its consciousness. And, and I'm doing the little whatever I can do. I'm trying to do it, write music and, and get it out there, and try to connect and motivate people. And when you're performing or recording, do you prefer to do it as a solo artist, or do you normally do it with a full band? I do it with a band. Yeah. yeah. It's fun, yeah. So all this stuff is, uh, all this stuff, all these songs are full band recordings. Mm-hmm. And wh- where do you meet these other musicians, or have you worked with them throughout the years? Or A lot of, the, yeah, in this album, they're old friends of mine, people I've played with a lot. And I actually recorded all this at the drummer's place down in um, Hayward. It just actually, the bass player came down, Jeff Simons, and he played all the keyboards and bass on it. I played all the guitar and synthesizers, and Mike Stevens did all the drums and engineered and recorded the whole thing in like a week or 10 days or something like that. It was quick action. Yeah, it's good to just have a plan and then see it through to the end. And with modern technology, recording equipment, and Pro Tools and all that stuff, It's you can do it inexpensively and have it sound pretty darn good. Yeah, does it sound like it, does it sound better or does it sound as good as when you, before Pro Tools, in your opinion? Oh, that's good. I think, I think things sound better. Also because I have more experience, I would think, I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally. Yes. It's the best sounding thing I've ever done. <laughs> it is kind of fun, like... I'm going to say, like, looping things in, in uh, Pro Tools. It's totally fun. Oh, it's tons of great stuff. I kind of miss it. Yeah. I should use it again. Yeah. <laughs> and GarageBand, too. It's you need a new laptop. Yeah. <laughs> I need a new laptop. Once yes. I get a new laptop. But I do have GarageBand on my phone. And yeah, GarageBand's great. Actually, I demo everything on GarageBand and bring it into the studio, and we dump into Pro Tools and, and re-record things that weren't so great, you know, that I had done. Any of the sound effects that you use in there, do you use like fake instruments or do you use all real instruments? That sounded weird. Um, Computerized, digitalized. Digitalized effects. I think a lot of it's pretty analog. Uh, I think a mixture of both. I really like taking 
analog and and digital stuff and mixing it pretty together i think it sounds it's a good uh good blend of old and new mm-hmm. that's good old ba- school new school balancing it out should yeah. we um play another song or do you it's up to you guys song? how was i away from the mic too far how did that sound was it sounds that, beautiful was yeah. it was it okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> Give us some more. Maybe I'll play something <laughs> from the earlier CD. Okay. Um, maybe a more of an acoustic Oh, I'll play Seed Song because that's been kind of my, my my song. I've been playing. I've, I've This is an older song that I've revived and been playing it at gigs recently. Okay. But it's the Seed Song. It's from the first Empire Day CD. Signature blues ending. I'm like ready to go like all Nirvana right now. Right on. (laughs) 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 Do you do covers? (laughs) (laughs) I know about four covers. Not a great cover band. Oh, that's good though. Dude. Some people overdo it. Make their like make their money doing that. I guess they have like. Sure. Oh yeah, I got friends playing cover bands. I think they do really well. I don't. I'm just. I can't. I, I. 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 The audience can tell that I'm not into it. I do. I know. Like a couple cover songs that I play. I've been playing, but we had a band do like they did. Uh, Wilco's Mr. Kind. Uh, no. Yeah. 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 What they was did, it? Wilco. Um. They did. Um. Fuck. What's that, that one? Album. Foxtrot. 
Oh, like, I'm trying to break your yeah. heart. Yeah. Was they, it that one? <laughs> yeah, they did that one. What a oh, yeah. jerk. But they did the entire thing, and they were going to perform it live, and I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I love I love that Foxtrot Hotel. It's but, a great album. Yeah, but, but at the same time, it's like... Did you write any of your, your own songs? That's your niche? Like, okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hipster. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your go-to cover song? My go-to, I have a play After Hours by The Velvet Underground. Yes. Okay. In Modern Love by David Bowie. Those are good ones. Mm-hmm. They're not... The typical They're ones not typical covers. Would. Yeah, Vicious by Lou Reed. But I play that one too. And Vicious. I play Till There Was Till There Was You, the the Beatles song, Till There Was You. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are good ones. Yeah. That's good. Okay. <laughs> where do you see where do you see yourself going in the next couple of years? Like straight to the top. <laughs> good answer. That's the, That's the, the best the answer. Only way to go. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to change society from the inside. With my billions of dollars, I'm going to make off this album. <laughs> billions and billions and billions and millions. And Where can billions. people purchase your, or listen to your music? So, um, the, the welcome at, uh, the welcome at me, my music is, you can find it on iTunes and Amazon and Bandcamp. Okay. Been working with Bandcamp a lot lately. And it's on... You know, let's see. Um, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. What's the other one, everyone? The um, Reverb not, Pan- not Pandora. I'm not on Pandora, but I am on the other Spotify. one. Spotify. Spotify. Yeah. yeah, I'm all over Spotify. <laughs> Let me just go down the list here. <laughs> <laughs> of all the ones that so we many. If you, yeah, if you search The Welcome Mat with two Ts, you'll find me. Do you do the Welcome Instagram? Music. Instagram, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Everything's under the welcome at too. It's like okay. Instagram is welcome at, Facebook is welcome at, Twitter is the welcome taken. at. It wasn't taken. Well, you know why? I'm so damn old and I've been around for so long <laughs> that I got everything early. Yeah, you got it. You got it's it good. down. Yeah, <laughs> it's the way to go. <laughs> and in terms of your style of music, how would you describe it to somebody who's never heard it before? As far as genre, I usually say rock, indie, pop, alternative, somewhere in there. Um, I used to be more kind of acoustic-y, but I kind of went back, and now I'm a little bit more on the rock, indie side of things. So, yeah, somewhere around there. I know that's it's kind of boring and bland. I don't have like... I'm a not, fancy name. I don't have a fancy name. I should invent one, I guess. <laughs> But that's good. You're not like, oh, I sound exactly like this band, or some people yeah. are like, they're like our heroes, man. We play. I played a. My band actually played a show on Sunday last week, and someone said it was kind of like rock, but dance. It was like groovy, so it was kind of like the Clash and maybe like that world. Kind of, and I'm totally influenced by the late seventies, early eighties rock. New wave. Yeah, kind of new wavy. Yeah. Okay. A new wave. Let's bring, <laughs> let's bring that back. Yeah. Let's have a new new wave. Exactly. <laughs> new yeah. wave. Neo part, new wave. Neo new wave. New wave part two. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They should name it that too. Sophisticated yeah. wave. <laughs> What's your favorite venue to play in San Francisco? My favorite venue will probably always be the bottom of the hill. Oh, that's. I love Bottom of the Hill. I don't yeah. think I ever had a lousy show at Bottom of the Hill, even though I haven't played there in a long time. Bottom of the Hill is great. 
And also, I've recently had a CD release party at Doc's Lab in North Beach. I've heard of that place. And that was great. Super fun. It's intimate. It's like a hundred-ish people or something, and I sell out. And my full band play there. And my my wife, Christine Callie, is a dance choreographer. And she had some of her modern dancers like mixed into the crowd, and they nice. come out and they that's, do some moves awesome. through some songs. Interpretive dancing. Con- yeah. Contemporary, they call it. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Bush, though, yeah. <laughs> does she does she teach? She or teaches. Yeah, she teaches at Sonoma State University and also here at ODC Theater. And um, I have a bunch of videos out, and there's always modern dancing in them. <laughs> and I actually did a cover of DJ by David Bowie, and oh, it's, it's, it, we it. filmed it at the Madrone Lounge on Fell and oh, Deviz. I love Madrone. In there, you should check that. that, So there's a cover for you. I did DJ, and there's all modern, packed full of modern dancers. Exactly. (laughs) It just hits a little close to home. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he was aiming more for DJs from that era where they were like, "I'm the shit, man." (laughs) Have you ever seen that video that he did? Yeah, I watched it. He's like smashing the records and. Spray painting everything. And then there's that one part where it's like all his groupies are following him. Yeah, he's just walking. Like it was such a street, yeah, like. completely random shots of him doing things. That doesn't right. happen to us. Just kind of, you guys should do that. David Bowie and then freaking Morrissey wants to hang the DJ. I don't. I don't know if this hang is the, the right. DJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an interesting cover. Well, you know, DJs used to make and break bands. Yeah. So it was a completely Rodney different relationship the between the DJs and the artists up until the dis- the destruction of the album, which was uh, 2001 or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right when I... I didn't even have now, an iPod. Your DJ is YouTube, basically. Right. And, yeah. and, corporate, and everything's corporate radio is like... It's just run automatically. So everything's pre-recorded. And even... Um, I heard a story once where actually David Bowie... Speaking of David Bowie, he met somebody. He was in Cleveland at some convention... And um, this guy, he wanted to talk to this guy because he was from Cleveland and there was a DJ that had broke him, like uh-huh. had, had played his song, like this Ziggy Stardust or something like that. I could be totally, or this could be totally, I'm it making half of this up. But the, the gist of the story was that some DJ had played one of his songs at nauseum on the air and, and got him totally famous in that, in that um, whatever the radio station, whatever you call it. Um, in um, it's, uh, Cleveland. Yeah, it was, Cleveland. It could have been Detroit. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, I, one of those, one of those Midwestern <laughs> towns right. where they just rock it. Um, but yeah, that's pretty. But they had a lot of power. DJs were, if someone could just play your, make you famous, like get you somewhere, and and because they loved your song, and that is what's that's totally lost. That's, that's so unfortunate. Sad. But it's, not mean, with you guys though. You guys are. We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, you know. Babies here, babies of the baby generation or yeah. baby boomer generation. <laughs> babies of the baby boomer. There's a song. Because yeah. our parents were up until the like the tail end of that. Yeah. Well, we keep up the with the times. I mean, at least we're podcasted, and there's that's coming up really big yeah. right now. So totally. We just gotta make money off of it somehow. Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> yeah. We gotta. Get we gotta supported. make stickers like a bumper stickers. Books and Blunts has a sticker. <laughs> Books and that's a show here at Muni Radio, and they have a sticker. Sunday, I'm like, why, why don't we get a sticker and T-shirt? What are they, so what's the that they smoke blunts and talk about books? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so it's, it says a podcast about books with an X, also weed. 
<laughs> In other news, what would Lenny do? Yeah. <laughs> I love California. Well, that's when uh, they're trying Stop to pass that law. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to pass a law where you, you would have to wear a condom. Well, that's my decision. Well, no, it's the points, <laughs> the, the state's decision, apparently, because they're the ones who make money off of it. Oh, Son of a... I like the work hard, get an education, have a white mom poster. Yeah. Hava. Uh, it hava. hits home. Hava. <laughs> hava white mom. It's a certain type of white mom. It's a hava white mom, not any, just any old white mom. Hava white mom. <laughs> they spelled everything else right. I had to double check. I was like, hmm... Because I like to write, so I'm like... Mm-hmm. Lacking a space there. <laughs> they they're, forgot a letter. Could have just been Havana. Oh. Havana White. <laughs> Havana White Mom. There's some white people in Havana. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> a shade lighter. Yeah. A couple or, shades lighter. Havana White as a mom. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> This is beautiful artwork here at Muni Radio. Oh, yes. Always appreciate it. Keeping us interested and on our toes. If you are an artist, you can reach out to Pam and we can uh, showcase your art here at Muni. In the gallery. We can put a price on your art, even if it's redonkulous, like we've seen in the past. Some people do buy it. Some people do buy it, yeah. So you might get away with it through $2,000 piece or whatever you can call us at 415-550-0511 but don't call us now because we won't answer because yeah. we don't want to answer because of one person in particular that ruined it for us because we don't like you <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest yeah well i think we have time for another song did you want to play one from the cd or sure. why not can i pick another one you sure can maybe oh, something a little yeah, if you guys want to pick one, you can just look at the titles and <laughs> be like, I think I want to hear this track. <laughs> um, this one's that one. That one's the first one. The new That's the new one. Come Alive is a good upbeat one. Um, I do want to be alive. <laughs> what's that? I do want to be alive. It's good. Yeah, being alive is awesome. Come Alive. <laughs>
us a little bit about that track. It's a lot different than the other ones we've heard. Yeah, so that was just uh, more of a rocking song. It's come alive. It's uh, just kind of a call to arms, call to physical arms, like, you know, not like real weapons, like raising your arms in the air arms. Oh, okay. <laughs> call the arms. Oh, no, Wait, get your guns. <laughs> get your guns, people. <laughs> Do I hold up my... <laughs> my my swords, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like sometimes a real general like perspective of looking at the electorate and going like wake up, God. or yeah, wake up at all like at least maybe pay attention a little bit. Yeah, just a little. Yeah, just a touch. There's some important things going on. Yes. Well, again, um, if people want to find out more about you online, they can go to welcomemattsf.com. Welcome, Matt. And I think we have time for maybe one more live. Really? Oh, cool. Acoustic song. Let's do that. Okay. Let's see. Something short. Oh, I'm going to play Boutique City. This is a song that has a lot to do with San Francisco and what's been going on with gentrification and stuff like that another real happy uplifter but at least it maybe has a little humor in it
city, the nouveau riche, a boutique city, the nouveau riche, a boutique city. Very true. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot to. <laughs> we didn't know it was over until, yeah. Close it up. <laughs> That's good. No, it's, I feel like the lyrics in all of your songs are, you know, most people are going to be able to relate to that. You know. I certainly hope so. So awesome! And again, you're playing a show tomorrow. Tomorrow at the Condor. At the is Condor. that this strip club? Uh, yes. It okay, is. that's what oh, I thought. I was the, like, oh, I've heard of that. That's why I was like, it's right Condor. on the corner of Columbus and Broadway. It's one of the original. Strip I was like, clubs. I don't want to be wrong because I want to sound like a new, but I'm pretty sure I knew somebody who worked there. She oh yeah, a that's a strip club. It's okay. a very old strip club, and uh, they just have bands play on the stage and the. Part of it by the bar. Dancers happen to be dancing. I don't know if that's going to be going on, (laughs) but I do know the stage. The bar is about three feet away from the stage. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. That's important. Dot dot dot. See if I can reach for a drink. So go to the Condor tomorrow around four thirty. Four thirty. Be there or be square. Indeed. Well, thanks so much for coming on by. Thanks for having me. It was great to make it happen and hear some of those great 2008 songs. 2008 CIA report and describing. Uh, fine. Sorry. Sorry. Oh. That's oh, still on. Oh, oh, oh. That, oh, that wasn't me talking. Oh, I didn't sound like oh, that. Oh, oh. Oh. Stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. <laughs>
sinking down Thank Eric Clatter, please, above all.
child, come with me. I will take you But what's to be the same?
find my home Driving on nine I sure miss you Past the motel Looking at the pines Driving on nine Looking Never will again. No, not again. 
sorry, we're dying because Johnny Depp's gonna play Dumbo. <laughs> I vote for Our Michael Fassbender. I'm over Johnny Depp. You're, you, that's kind of an interesting marriage right there. It's almost like they've been married for 30 it years. It is. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Helena Baumcarter is just kind of like, I, I broke up it. with the kids that were just, you know, on it for each other. That's rough. <laughs> I don't think she said that, but, but I'm sure. I'm sure this is what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they've been together since um, Edward Scissorhands, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so. Pretty much like a majority of his films. Yeah. Except for maybe a couple. Yeah. I no? He, I don't think he was in, um, he wasn't in Nightmare Before Christmas, was he? Oh, no, he wasn't. He wasn't in. What else did he do? Caroline. Caroline. He wasn't in Coraline. He wasn't in um, Big Fish. Oh, that's true. So he hasn't. You're right. You're right. But I mean, the big ones that everyone knows he's been in. Yeah. He, I mean, I honestly did not like Alice in Wonderland. I saw that for my 21st birthday, I think. I think it was that great. Yeah, I saw it too. It's okay. I liked um, Anne uh, Hathaway's character, the White Queen. Oh, yeah. I like Helena Bum Carter's the, the Queen of Hearts. Yeah. She was, I thought she could have won an Oscar for that character. <laughs> but she's just a good actress all around, so. Yeah, she what did we just listen to? We listened to a couple things. And the last one was Rage Against the Machine from their first album. And that's called Bomb Track. And before that was the 101ers. That was Joe Strummer's first band before he formed oh. The Clash. Um, it was more like a pub. I guess you would describe it as a pub rock band. Got it. It's more yeah. straight up rock and roll or whatever. Um, the album is called The Chiswick Story, and that song's, um, I think that was one of their hit singles called Keys to Your Heart. And before that was Elvis Presley with um, the song Mystery Train, and that's kind of an ode to the movie Mystery Train, which I think I've seen, but I have yet to watch again, so I can really like understand it understand it and um just be more familiar it's with one it. of those films and um also joe strummer worked with um i think he was in that movie as well mystery trained oh, i don't know uh he he was somehow involved and before that was the breeders with driving on nine i think they're going to be playing um yes they're doing a tour and they're going to be at the Indy, I believe. Yeah, the Independent. And then they're doing like a big European tour, I think, coming up. And um, before that was Led Zeppelin. Um, this sounds like the album version to me, but it's, this playlist that I had said it was the complete BBC Sessions. So maybe it was live. Well, BBC Sessions still in studio, right? So. Yeah. Um, that what is and what should never be. He's just that talented. <laughs> or they're just that talented. Right. And I did see Robert Plant, and I didn't remember that I saw him till I was in the same space that I had saw him in. And I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. Kind of like I forgot that I went to see Peter Hook, and that was only like oh a gosh. couple of months ago. Yeah. It's hard to, it's like some things are memorable, and then sometimes it's just hard to remember everything. Well, when you forget who you saw live, that means you've just gone to a lot of fucking shows. Yeah. Like, did that happen? Oh, yeah, it did. But yeah, it was it was special to you know be able to see Robert Plant. I have 
to say. Yeah, I've never seen them. Oh my gosh. Uh, and that was at Somerset House on the Strand. And before that was the Yardbirds, who have been here a couple times and I have yet to see them. Uh, that song's called Lost Woman, and they're one of the bands from the British Invasion. They were in a film from the, they were featured in a film from the 60s called Blow Up. And uh, before that was Steely Dan with Black Cow. And uh, before that was Cream performing Crossroads live at uh, Winterland, actually. Aww. So Defunct. No, no longer in existence. But the Fillmore is still around. Yeah. And before that was Zombies with Can't Nobody Love You. And I saw them recently at uh, UC Theater a couple of months ago. And that was pretty, that was good just to see another band from that era before, you know, it's too late. <laughs> it's never too late. Can't live with regrets. Yeah. But they've, I mean, they've been coming here pretty often. So I thought I better just do it now. Yeah. <laughs> and then before that was The Kinks. And uh, that's from their first album. I'm a hog for you, baby. Mm. And before that was... I think Ray Davies has like a self-titled Americana-style album that just came out. But it's a it's a solo album, so right. it wouldn't be with the band. But you never knew. Before that was uh, Suicide. And the song's called Dream, Baby Dream. And before that was the B-52s with 52 girls. <laughs> Doesn't that sound lovely? Yeah. And uh, that was a pretty eclectic mix that I had going on today. And earlier we had the welcome mat. And uh, mm. he played a couple tracks for us, a couple live tunes. And he's going to be playing at a strip club called The Condor on the corner of Broadway and Columbus. So go check that out if you're going to be in the area tomorrow. He's a really nice guy. Yep. Totally worth it. And uh, I'm sure we'll be bumping. I'm surprised we haven't run into him sooner, but that always kind of happens to us. (laughs) (laughs) It's never too late. Sooner rather than later, we always seem to run into somebody worth talking to. (laughs) But without further ado, stay tuned for more Mutiny Radio. The thought police plugged in on any individual wire was guesswork. It was even conceivable that they watched everybody all the time. But at any rate, they could plug in your wire whenever they wanted to. You had to live, did live, from habit that became instinct, and the assumption that every sound you made was overheard, and except in darkness, every movement scrutinized. This is a critical, though elusive, point which, as the Post notes, I've been arguing for years, including in the 2014 TED Talk I gave about the harms of privacy erosions. But one of my first visceral encounters with this harmful dynamic arose years before I worked on NSA disclosures. It occurred in 2010, the first time I ever wrote about WikiLeaks. This was before any of the group's most famous publications. What prompted my writing about WikiLeaks back then was a secret 2008 Pentagon report that declared the then little-known group a threat to national security and plotted how to destroy it. 
a report which, ironically enough, was leaked to WikiLeaks, which then published it online. Shortly thereafter, WikiLeaks published a 2008 CIA report describing, precisely it turns out, how the best hope for maintaining popular European support for the war in Afghanistan would be the election of Barack Obama as president, since he would be a pretty popular progressive face on war policies. As a result of that 2008 report, I researched WikiLeaks and interviewed its founder, Julian Assange, and found that they had been engaging in vital transparency projects around the world, from exposing illegal corporate waste dumping in East Africa to political corruption and official lies in Australia. But they had one significant problem. Funding and human resource shortfalls were pre preventing them from processing and publishing numerous leaks. So I wrote an article describing their work and recommended that my readers support that work either by donating or volunteering, and I included links for how they could do so. In response, a large number of American readers expressed in emails in the comment section at private events, I'm sorry, at public events, the fear to me that while they support WikiLeaks work, they were petrified that supporting them would cause them to end up on a government list somewhere, or worse, charged with crimes if WikiLeaks ended up being formally charged as a national security threat. In other words, these were Americans who were voluntarily relinquishing core civil liberties, the right to support journalism they believe in and to politically organize, because of fear that their online donations and work would be monitored and surveyed. Subsequent revelations showing persecution and surveillance against WikiLeaks and its supporters, including an effort to prosecute them for their journalism, proved that these fears were quite rational. There is a reason governments, corporations, and multiple other entities of authority crave surveillance. It's precisely because the possibility of being monitored radically changes individual and collective behavior. Specifically, that possibility breeds fear and fosters collective conformity. That's always been int intuitively clear. Now, there is mounting empirical evidence proving it. Hmm. And I guess there'd be a pen drop, not a mic drop, but a pen drop because ugh, that's that's there. Okay, so this kind of go, goes along with it. I can't. I mean, sometimes I find when I do segues with these stories, it's kind of easy. Uh, it's it's tricky because a lot of times I don't want to read these stories, and uh, I still choose to because. Uh, people, not everyone has a chance to share their voice and to share their stories and what's happening with them. So the very least uh, one can do is, is is share what's happening to them and get the word out. This comes from Boing Boing, which is a cool site to check out. They have a lot of good articles on there. I've been checking them out for a few years now, and this is by Cory Doctorow. And this came out uh, Wednesday, April 13th. Te in Texas, prisoners whose families maintain their social media presence face 45 days in solitary. Texas. Oh, and I know some folks from Texas who are in Texas. I visited once. Uh, seriously, this, this, uh, the state. Uh, okay. All right. I, I don't have anything to add to that. I'm just, I'm just going to read the story. I have a smile on my face uh, uh, because that will help me get through this massive massive injustice happening and it's always intriguing that's one thing about this this uh show i end up finding new ways for people to be cruel to one another and to hurt one another that's not i'd rather it be the opposite like let's find new ways for people to help each other and to uplift one another that would be nice maybe i'll find some stories on that so according to a new offender manual from Texas Department of Criminal Justice, prisoners whose families maintain a social media presence 
to call attention to their incarceration will be liable to harsh punishment, including up to 45 days in solitary, loss of privileges, and extra work duty. That's another reason I want to get rid of prisons. Ugh. Mm. EFF does not oppose prison restrictions that target criminal behavior or harassment on social media by inmates. <coughs> Getting to that point of the show where I'm starting to lose my voice. All right. <clears throat> on social... Okay. Da -da -da -da. Starting again. I'm going to drink some water first because that's going to help the situation. That's going to... That's going to... That's going to help the situation quite a bit. All right. And... Uh, yeah, I'm going to have some water first and take a little bit of a, a mini break. It's not really a break if you're listening because uh, I'm still here. I'm talking. What else can I say? It's a, it's a good day here in, uh, in San Francisco. Mm. There's a big protest. Donald Trump is in town, and by in town I mean in Burlingame. And a lot of folks showed up to protest, which is awesome. So hopefully we'll have some clips of that for next time. On the show, a lot of folks uh, standing up against him. Not a fan. Oh, I got a quick story to tell that'll break the tension. Is there tension? No, probably just some sadness. Uh, so there's a, uh, I was going to say operation, but it's a, it's a project called the Young Storytellers Foundation. And I've volunteered with them a number of times. And they have kids um, write plays. And the, the kids all have mentors, and they, they write plays together, and then they cast actors, and it's a very, it's kind of a quick, they, they take time to write the plays, but then they do the, the casting very quick. So we kind of show up, showed up at like nine, and then they, we do a very brief audition, which pretty much just we go up in front of the kids and say, I can do this. So some people are more physical, some people are more like theatrically trained. I went up this time and was like, oh, I can play male or female characters because gender is fluid, and you know, I like to get that message out there to the young folks, because um, I feel like I would have appreciated that when I was young. Um, although I think, think now it's, things have gotten a lot more, uh, in most places, kids are a lot more aware of the options as far as gender conformity goes and how one can rebel against